Well, good evening. Turn, if you would, tonight to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to be this evening. As I normally do on the night of a fifth Sunday fellowship, we're just going to be here for a couple of moments. I just want to give us a thought that I hope will be helpful to us, and then we will get on our way to the fellowship and then still have plenty of time to get home at a decent hour. So that's what we're going to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we are glad that we can be in your house tonight. We're thankful, Lord, for this uh, evening and what it presents for us, a time of fellowship, to, to just be with one another and to take some time to to just do what is needed, and I pray that uh, you'd bless that. Lord, we're thankful for the uh, baptisms as well that we'll get to uh, partake of here in just a couple of moments. And God, I pray that everything that's said and done tonight would bring glory and honor to you and that we would be uh, what you would have us to be. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I'm going to begin with a thought that I'm going to try to illustrate, and if I do a poor job illustrating it, I think you'll still be able to understand to an extent what it is I'm trying to convey. But how many of us have ever been in a situation where we're looking at something and the end result just doesn't add up to us? It doesn't make sense. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're looking at the end result, you're looking at the final product, and what's kind of been produced just doesn't make sense to you? To illustrate what it is I'm talking about, I'll share a story with you that happened in our house just a few weeks ago. Susie made some cookie dough, all right? And not that there was anything, quote, wrong with the cookie dough. I still managed to get it all eaten. But there was something that did not go right with it, okay? It was just a completely different texture. And so I said, what happened? What, what, what went wrong? And and here's what she said. She said, I have no idea. She said, maybe it was this, maybe it was this, but I really don't know what went wrong. But it didn't change the fact that it was not right, that it wasn't how it was supposed to be. Maybe you've been in a situation like this where you've tried to build something. Maybe you've tried to repair something. And you get all done, and it's not what you thought it was going to be. So you go back and you try to retrace your steps. Well, did I do this? Yeah, I did that. Well, did I do this? Okay, yeah, I did that. And, and I did this and I did this and I did this. Why, why, why is it as it is? And you're saying to yourself, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. But it doesn't change the reality. It isn't what it's supposed to be. Now tonight we could talk about that for a long time and illustrate it in different ways, but obviously we don't need to. And so tonight, I just want us to think about that principle and say this, that sometimes in the spiritual realm of life, things happen and you're saying to yourself, that doesn't make sense. You know, this has happened and this has happened and this has happened and this is taking place and, and it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense and I don't understand it. But unfortunately, just because we don't understand it doesn't change the truth of it. As we say, sometimes it is what it is. And so tonight, with that principle in mind, if you've got your place there in 1 John chapter 2, 
I want us to understand a little bit of context about this letter. We're not going to spend a long time on this because it's not necessary, and we're just going to deal with the principle of what it is we're going to be looking at. But I want us to understand by way of context when it's believed that this letter was written. It is believed that this letter was written, obviously, by John toward the end of the first century after, of course, the the life of Christ, okay? So if it was written toward the end of that first century, then here's what we know is that the church was still very much in the early days of its life. It was not an infant by any means, by way of in the infancy stage of the church, but it was still young and it was still developing, and in many ways we could say it was still maturing. And as that is so, here's what we also would understand and and would not be surprised at, is that from the very beginning there were false teachers and false prophets who tried to make their way into the church that would cause problems in the church. So that's not anything new, that's not anything surprising, that's something that the Apostle Paul had warned against in his own writings, that whenever I leave there are going to be some who come in and they'll try to deceive you and lead you astray, those types of thoughts. And and so it's not a surprise that as John is writing this, there are already issues presenting themselves in the church. So notice in verse number 18 what it says, it just says, little children. And this is what leads some people to believe that this was written in the latter stages of John's life because he's referring to the believers as little children and so somewhat of a comparison between his life and the life of the believers. But notice what it says. It says, little children, it is the last time. We'll touch more on that in just a moment. But notice what he said next. And as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And so if we'll think about this verse, here is what John said. He said, Ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, and even now are there many Antichrist. Think about that, and think about when those words were written some 2,000 years ago. The, the, the writer John is saying this, that in this day and in this age that we're living, He is saying there are many anti-Christ. There are many, John says, in their day almost 2,000 years ago, they are living with this mentality and they are living with this approach that they're not worried about the authority of God in their life. They're not worried about the authority of Christ in their life. No, they are so consumed with their own will, they are so consumed with their own desires They have no concern for themselves to live in obedience to what God would have them to do. You understand this, don't you? And so he says there in verse number 18 that as a result of the number of the Antichrist, as a result of that mentality being so prevalent, that attitude being so popular in their day, he said, whereby we know that it is the last time. What does it mean to know something? It means to be aware of something, does it not? We are aware of this. We understand this. We are mindful of this. So John says, here is what we know. Here is what we're mindful of. Here is what we're aware of. When you look at the culture and all this anti-Christ, anti-God environment that we're a part of, here is what we know. We are living in the last times. We are living in the last days. 
What did it look like then? How were people living specifically? Well, we don't know. But apparently from John's perspective, from his vantage point, he was looking at the world saying, my goodness, would you look at how ungodly it is? We've got to be living in the last days. Was he off? A little bit. I mean, we've been almost 1,900 years since then. So he was off, obviously, to some extent. But as we've all said and as we've all heard, here is what we could do. We could look at our culture and we could look at our society and we could say the same things are true of us and it should make us come to the same conclusion. We've got to be living in the last times because we are certainly living in a day that is very anti-Christ, are we not? It's not as though we're living in a state of revival in our nation and in our world. It's not as though we're living in a time where people are really concerned with the truth of God's word. They're not really concerned with knowing what God's will would be and how they need to live. That's not the world we're living in. No, you and I, we know this. We're living in a world where, where people are so consumed with doing what they want to do, living how they want to live. They don't care about the things of God. And so those of us who are Christians, who are trying to live a Christian life at all, we sit back and we declare, we have got to be living in the last times. So are we? Uh, feel like we are. Might we be wrong by 1,900 years? I guess it's possible. I don't think that it's going to be 1,900 more years, but it's possible, I suspect. But notice what is said in verse number 10. Not verse number 10, verse number 19. Of those who are the Antichrist or of the spirit of the Antichrist, mentioned in verse number 18, he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So here's John writing of this spirit of Antichrist that was prevalent in their day. And here's what he says of many, at least that he knew personally, many of those who lived with this anti-Christ, anti-God spirit, he said they went out from us, but they were not of us. So if they went out from them, what does that indicate? It indicates that they were once a part of what was going on. I mean, this is pretty simple language if we'll think about this. It's not real complex. He is saying those of the Antichrist, anti-God spirit, here's the truth of it. Here's the reality of it. Many of those who are living with this lack of concern for the things of God, they were the ones who once sat in the house of the God, listening to the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, who maybe had been discipled by the truth of God's Word. They, they were a part of all of it, but they weren't really of it. So they were not of us, John says. It wasn't real. This evening, let me ask you, do we know that same testimony to be real today? 
I think many of us know people who have once in the past been in the church. And though they were in it, they were not of it. They came to the church. They came to the house of God. They were a part of some of the things that were going on. But to say they were really of it, they obviously weren't. Because here's what happened over a course of time, over a course of of days, weeks, months, or years, whatever it may have been, here's what has happened. They have gone out of the church that they were once a part of, and, and as a result of getting out of the church, they have proven that they're not concerned at all about the things of God. I was having my prayer time this week, not that you're overly concerned about that, but this is just a uh, one of those stark reminders that kind of slapped me upside the head this week. I was having my prayer time, and, and I don't know why, but the Lord brought to my mind someone that I haven't thought about in a long time, and it was like the Lord said, you need to pray for this person because you haven't prayed for them in forever. And so I was praying for them, and here is why I was praying for them, because if they are saved, they're not living like they're saved at all. It's an immoral lifestyle. It's an ungodly lifestyle. And what's sad is this, is that I know without a doubt for over 20 years they were under the sound preaching of the Word of God. They were there. They were consistent. They were faithful. They were a part of all of it. But they weren't really of it. Just another story that I was made aware of this week, just one of those things where, where I, I have a, uh, an acquaintance with an individual, and, and I was asking someone who knows them, and, and I said, hey, how are, how are they doing? What's going on in their life now? And, and here's what the person said. He's now married to his partner. He was raised independent, fundamental, Baptist. Everything that you and I would claim to be tonight That's what he was raised, and that's the lifestyle that he had known all of his life. And now he's out of church, and he's married to his partner, and obviously far from God. What is that? That's an anti-Christ, anti-God mentality. All of us know too many people who were once in the church, but they weren't really a part of the church. And they have gone out, and now they live a lifestyle completely or in complete opposition to the will of God for their lives. Now this evening I can make this statement, though I need to make it with the word of caution, that that does not make sense to me. You understand what I'm saying? As of tonight, and I've got to be careful because I'm capable of anything, but as of tonight, kind of like so many other things in life, I don't understand how that happens. How can someone be in church? How can someone be under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God? How can someone be a part of everything that is going on? How can they rub shoulders with people like this on a regular basis How can that happen? And then you soon see them go out and not live the way they know they ought to live. How does that happen? 
I don't know. And I understand that sin gets a foothold in a person's life. I, I understand the process, and yet I don't understand the process. But though I don't understand it, and though it doesn't make sense to me, like so many other things in life, I'd have to say it does not change the reality of it. How many people are in the world right now who were once in the house of God like you and I are tonight? It's unfortunate, but it's true. So obviously in that, there's a word of caution for us because as I've already mentioned, that can happen to me, that can happen to any of you. Act like you agree with that just a little bit. Nod your head. Hey, if it could happen to these people, it could happen to us. So there's a word of caution that we don't want to just be a part of this but not really be of it. No, we want to be in and we want to be a part of it. However, though all of us know it could happen, most of us don't think it will happen. Fair enough? I mean, if I said, okay, raise your hand and tell me, how many of you think you're going to have the spirit of an anti-Christ, anti-God individual in the next six months to a year? Here's what you'd say. You'd say, well, of course not. That's not what I'm going to do. Oh, I know it could happen, but I won't do it. So let's take that principle and just consider it from a little bit different perspective. Paul's, or not Paul, but John said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. So he is saying that they weren't really a part of what was going on. So again, in broadening that principle a little bit, let's think about this, that we can be here tonight, but not be here tonight. We can be here and not be here. A little over 20 years ago, just to illustrate what it is I'm trying to say, a little over 20 years ago, I was teaching a Sunday school class while on staff at Eastland, and there was a young lady in this college and career class that I was teaching, and here is what I thought. I thought she just brought herself to church all the time. I thought she was involved in Sunday school and Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I, I thought she was one of those young ladies who had gotten saved and was just faithful to the house of God because that's what she wanted. I don't know how long I'd been at the church before I learned this, that her parents were actually members of the church who were faithful to the house of God. If somebody says, what, are you, what is it you're trying to communicate? What are, you, what are you trying to say? Okay, well, this particular family, it was kind of like this. They showed up to church right before it started, and they left as soon as it was done. Never involved in ministry, never involved in, in investing in someone's life. So they showed up Sunday morning right before church started. As soon as it was done, they were out the side door. Sunday night, they did the same thing. Wednesday nights, they did the same thing. Come to find out, they were there all the time, but truth be told, they were never really there. They were a part of it, they just weren't a part of it. The reality is this, is anyone can be a part of a church 
and not really be a part of what's going on. Sometimes we say it like this, they're not plugged in. They're not involved. They're not really a part of, of what the church is doing. They're, they're not really worried about investing in others. They're not really worried about contributing to the ministry. They're, they're just not worried about it. It's kind of like almost having a membership someplace that you never really frequent, you know, by way of a country club or a gym or whatever it may be. A lot of times people treat the church kind of like that. It's just associated with, but not a part of it. And friends, it's not how it's supposed to be for a child of God and the house of God with the people of God. And I know that I've touched on this in the past. I know that we have dealt with this thought in recent days, but I'm just going to do it again because I think it's, I think it's relevant and I think it's helpful if we'll apply this. But friends, where our world is headed, and it seems to be headed there quickly, the church should be becoming more and more important to the child of God. It really should be. As our world grows more anti-God, and as this world grows more anti-Christ, we don't need to continue to be just casually associated with the church. No, we need to be all in and be a part of the church, not because this church is superior over some other church necessarily, but we need what the house of God provides and we need to be a part of its function, and we need to be a part of what's happening. We don't just need to be a spectator. We need to be of it. I know sometimes it could sound like I'm just trying to drum up support for what it is we're doing tonight. That's not at all what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to remind us we need the fellowship of one another. We don't need to just dismiss this as, oh, it's unimportant and it's, it's not anything I need. No, we need what we're doing tonight because we need the fellowship of the brethren. We, we need to say, you know what, I don't want to just be associated with the house of God. I want to be a part of the house of God. I want to be all in. I want to be plugged in. I want to be a part of what God is trying to do. And even in things as simple as a fellowship, encouraging one another and strengthening one another, it's something that we need to be a part of. And so tonight, a simple challenge as we're dismissed or as we close the sermon part, I know some of us are a part of the church, and I'm thankful for that. This is special to you. This is important to you. This is meaningful to you. But truth be told, there are some in here this evening, if they'd just be honest, they'd have to admit they're not really of what's going on here. And they can justify it and they can rationalize it because, well, I'm not as bad as this person. I'm not as wicked as this person. Oh, I'm doing a lot better than this person. And you may be. But if you're not really a part of what's going on here with the right attitude and the right spirit, you are hurting yourself and you are taking chances in your spiritual life that you don't need to take.
It really makes no sense to be in a church but to not be part of the church and what is going on. We need to be all in, not for the purpose or the sake of Grace Baptist Church, but because God gave the church to the children of God, and we need to be a part of what he thought was important. So if you're not really in and a part of the church, tonight would be a good night to start. All right? All right, let's all bow our heads for prayer, and then we'll continue the service. Father, I do thank you for this time that we have to look into your word. And God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts however you see fit, and that you'd accomplish whatever needs to be accomplished. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, Lauren is going to be playing some congregational songs, so you don't need to flip through the pages. Brother Randy, if you'd come ahead and lead us. Brother John and Kayla, come at this time, and we'll prepare for the baptism. <laughs> 